Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the third quarter 2020 earnings conference call for Balin Technologies, Inc. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your phone. Please be advised today's conference is being recorded. If you require further assistance, please press star 0. I'll now turn the call over to Mr. Daniel Kim, Executive Vice President, Corporate Development of Balin Technologies. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning for the third quarter 2020 earnings conference call for Balin Technologies. Joining me is our President and Chief Executive Officer Randy Dewey and our Chief Financial Officer Michael Wolf. We will all be available for questions at the end of the presentation. Before we begin our report, let me make it clear that our comments today will include statements and answers to questions that could imply future events such as our 2020 and 2021 prospects and financial performance and could include the use of non-GAAP and non-IFRS measures. Although it is obvious these statements are subject to risk, uncertainties, and assumptions, accordingly, actual performance could differ materially from statements made today, so do not place undue reliance upon them. We also disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking statements except as required by law. I ask that you read our legal disclaimers and refer you to the risks and assumptions outlined in our public disclosures, in particular, the section entitled Forward-Looking Statements, and our risk factors in our annual information form for the year ended December 31st, 2019, and our other filings which are available on CDAR. Q3 results were released after market yesterday. The press release, financial statements, as well as the MDNA are available on CDAR and our website at balintech.com. Before I turn the call over to Randy and Michael, I would like to set the stage for the substance of our discussion. We are navigating unprecedented times as such, Management has selectively restructured the company to prudently manage its costs throughout this volatility, which Michael will discuss in more detail. Furthermore, our past investments across all of our business units are bearing significant new opportunities, any of which go into volume production, excuse me, if any of which go into volume production in 2021 could drive significant organic growth and profitability over the near and long term. I would now like to turn the call over to Randy to provide more commentary on these significant programs and opportunities. Thank you, Daniel. After reporting improved quarter-over-quarter financial results in the second quarter of this year, we are pleased to report our third quarter revenue, gross profit, and EBITDA improved again compared to the second quarter. While quarterly financial results have improved, the coronavirus pandemic continues to have an impact One very important macro issue is the delay of the C-band auction. It is this new spectrum that is set to be completed in December of this year. The timing has stretched out, causing delay in CapEx in 2020, but is expected to be completed next month. This important turning point benefits us in two ways. First, our telecommunications customers get the coveted spectrum they need for 5G. Second, our SATCOM customers get the influx of almost $10 billion of spectrum that they are giving up. This is exciting news for us. The second piece of exciting news, we have received approval to begin, uh, bring in our chamber expert in Vietnam in January. 
the missing link to our factory completion. The third piece of exciting news is that we've won a supplier status with a, U a large U.S. carrier to support our 2021 small cell plan, which appears to be quite aggressive and begins in the first half of 21. Although the short-term issues of COVID-19 lockdowns in Europe impacting our order book in mobile this quarter, we have made significant progress in some very key areas. I will outline in more detail some of these very positive steps later in my presentation on the long-term contracts we've won and the nature of the opportunities we are working on and why it is generating a lot of optimism for 2021 and beyond. I'd like to turn the call over to Michael to provide more commentary and details on our financial results. Thank you, Randy. Revenue in the third quarter of 2020 was $36.6 million, an increase of 19.4% compared to the second quarter of this year, and an increase of 35.8% compared to the first quarter of this year. The increases were driven by Asia Pacific and Embedded, which were somewhat offset by lower infrastructure and SATCOM revenue. Third quarter revenue was slightly higher compared to the prior period, although the mix was different this year. Asia Pacific and Embedded revenue represented a higher percentage of revenue in the third quarter of this year than the prior year. The change in revenue mix in the third quarter compared to the prior year resulted in a lower gross margin. 31% compared to 36%. However, due to a continued focus on cost reductions, operating expenses in the third quarter decreased by $3.3 million compared to the third quarter of 2019, resulting in adjusted EBITDA improving to $3.6 million, an increase of $2.4 million compared to the third quarter of 2019. Adjusted EBITDA for the third quarter of 2020 was the highest reported in the last five quarters. Operating expenses in the third quarter were slightly higher compared to the second quarter, primarily due to government stimulus relating to COVID-19 received in the second quarter, but offset by the impact of cost reductions in the third quarter. Government stimulus relating to COVID-19 in the third quarter was a very small amount and as a result had a very small impact on operating expenses. At this point, we are not expecting any further benefit from these programs. September 30th, we had a cash balance of $14.9 million and access to approximately $21.5 million of revolving credit facilities, of which $13.5 million was utilized. We had the option to defer the term loan principal repayment on September 30th, and we elected to do so. Quarterly principal repayments of $750,000 U.S. will resume in December. Capital expenditures to September 30th were $6.7 million, of which approximately $5 million was for the new factory in Vietnam. The construction delays have allowed us to fund the capital expenditures incurred to date from cash flow rather than additional debt. I'll now turn the call back to Randy. Although COVID-19 has impacted us in 2020, we still stand by our earlier comments that the financial performance in the second half of 2020 will be better than the first half. While the impact of the pandemic is creating near-term volatility in our business, the long-term outlook for all of our product groups is exceptionally robust. For example, Wi-Fi 6 has expanded our opportunities with existing and new customers. Additionally, we have secured automotive contracts with two key OEMs, and we are expected these long-life programs to begin volume production in the second half of 21. Combined, these wins should accelerate organic growth of our embedded products division. The 
reallocation of C-band from satellite operators to telecommunication providers towards 5G spectrum is driving an unprecedented product refresh across both SACOM in the form of C-band filters and infrastructure in the form of small cell, base station, DAS systems, obviously those products related to us. The delay in the auction has not helped, but the FCC has come to the final stage and expected to start early December and conclude shortly thereafter. C-band is the new spectrum that will be used mostly for 5G, and the network operators need this step completed to commence a lot of capital spending. While small cell deployment stalled in the U.S. during the pandemic, this industry is expected to trend steadily upwards beginning in 2021 through to 2025. Now that we have secured a second large carrier, we expect our infrastructure products will enjoy more robust growth and less volatility in deployments in 2021. After years of investment and an expanding product portfolio, our base station product group continues to gain significant traction with customers. We have taken a lot more steps in 2020 to cut out further OPEX and COGS, which will position us in 2021 with a lot more torque on new volumes. The other significant strategic step we announced in the summer was the launch of our Summit Series 2. After three years of heavy investment, that product has hit the market. We have sold and are quoting a lot of business with this industry-leading technology. Our first deployment is set for Q1. The key areas that this new product is expected to benefit us is in the areas of 5G backhaul, military, as well positioning for the new LEO constellation programs that have commenced. To be clear though, we have one 5G backhaul and military programs with this system, and these are long-term contracts. Although we have not highlighted LEO as much in the past, we can see from the major industry announcements from Amazon, SpaceX, OneWeb, Telesat, Starlink, that actually the new space race has begun. We've seen 10 years of slow growth in this segment, but we are on the cusp of a major industry shift. I'm excited about 5G and telecom, but I can tell you that LEO and SACOM is just as exciting. I'm excited actually that we're in both. In closing, I want to keep, for you to keep four things really in mind from our call. First, the pandemic has impacted our business this year, but we have not lost any major contracts or key customer relationships. Second, the pandemic is likely to continue into 2021, but the C-band spectrum reallocation completing this quarter sets the stage for significant 5G expansion in the industry. The massive MIMO market and our factory completion was stalled this year due to the pandemic, but we have found a solution that is expected to get this business started in the first half of 2021. And the fourth is the opportunities for our company in 5G, LEO, Wi-Fi 6, automotive and military are very exciting and we are in an enviable position. Our immediate challenges are obvious, but our long-term opportunities are exciting. Phelan has battled hardened and in his position to drive its very strong growth and certainly operating leverage. That concludes my formal remarks, operator. Can we please open up the call for questions? Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from David Kwan of Pi Financial. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Hi, David. Hey, morning. Um, I was wondering, just in terms of the, the revenue outlook, um, you know, based on the concrete, it sounds like Q4 is likely to be down sequentially uh, versus, I guess, versus Q3 here. 
Um, it sounds like you know the expected declines here in Asia Pacific had a, a very good uh, quarter in Q3. Um, in the infra infrastructure uh, side, possibly stack going here. Um, I guess based on the commentary about the second half being stronger than the first half, it would suggest I guess you know at the bottom end Q4 revenue could be as low as 21 million bucks. Uh, at the high end, it could be you know slightly down from Q3, so maybe about 36 million bucks. Obviously, that's a pretty wide range there. Um, you know, can you provide more color as to where you might expect or, uh, revenue to, to kind of fall in, or is uh, visibility just not there yet? Well, certainly, you know, that's quite a wide range you've got there. Uh, we, you know, the obviously commentary I said that the second half will be stronger than the first half, uh, that we still stand by. And uh, though the, this quarter, of course, you got lockdowns in only one of the two continents that were, you know, that were materially affecting us in the first half of the year because we had, you know, store closures in North America as well as in, in Europe. Here we have just the, the, the impact of Europe. So uh, that that's creating some near-term softness in our order book for mobile only. So. Um, as you know, we don't give guidance, but uh, just trying to help you tighten that very large range you had there. <laughs> no, no, I understand. I guess maybe another way to ask it is, um, you know, back in after the Q1 results, you said that you expected the revenues in, in subsequent quarter, in each of the subsequent quarters, to be higher than Q1 levels, so north of 27 million. Um, do you still stand by that comment? So, so Q4, we're not we're not given guidance that it's going to be as strong as Q3. Obviously, it's not. That's not what we're trying to communicate. But we're obviously not going in specifically to those numbers of the exact. We're we're talking about one of the four business units having uh, one of their markets softer uh, in in the fourth quarter than uh, than the prior quarters. And and yes, that takes us. Uh, that was the one that was the most strongest in uh, in Q3. So having that shift though also uh, creates a, a similar dynamic because. You know, as you've seen in the first half of the year, we had a lot of pent-up demand because of closures, and then we had a strong Q3. So if we're going to have a, a softer Q4 in the one business segment, that's going to build up some demand that obviously will or will bring some benefit into Q1. So on balance, I think you get, you have to kind of balance that in in uh, in your estimations. Sorry, well, I guess was, I wasn't trying to compare it to Q3. Like I said, it sounded like the com commentaries that will be down. Uh, Q4 will be down versus Q3, but you know, back in Q1 when, when revenues fell to 27 million, I think um, you, you'd indicated that you expected each of the following quarters to be higher than that that Q1 level, so higher than 27 million. I'm just wondering whether you still believe that will be the case. Well, that's that's for you, obviously, and your your model to figure out. We're trying to trying to help you at least kind of come close to where we're looking at, but uh, but we certainly don't. You know, as you know, we don't give guidance as a as a company. That's been our stance going forward. So, um, you know, we're we are talking about one of the four business segments having a, a, a softer quarter for one of the markets that are that are softer. So, um, it does it does create some near term volatility, I guess, in the, in the next couple of months as we close out the year. Uh, but it is building up to demand for the first quarter. Okay. Thanks, Ronnie. I was wondering, um, just given what's gone on with COVID here, um, just any changes in, in customer behavior, um, you know, maybe particularly as it relates to, say, inventory levels, like, are, do you find that your customers are carrying, you know, lower amounts of inventory running a little bit leaner, um, just given, you know, the, the demand is a lot different uh, now than it would have been, say, a year ago? 
Yeah, no doubt. There, there, there would certainly be a lot more cautiousness on the end customer perspective uh, on inventory. Of course, anything that's you know like in mobile where it's B two C, they're they're being a bit more certainly a bit more cautious. So we do see that certainly playing out. Um, this year, though, it, what's interesting in, in my view, this year's of course you know we were all caught by surprise. This is the first time you had such a, a, a global pandemic. But uh, you're seeing a lot more thoughtfulness in 2021 as they're planning to actually have to coexist with this virus for some period of time. No one's uh, expecting the vaccine to be the full silver bullet here. So, but now you're seeing purposeful planning, and I think that that's what's exciting. Of course, we knew the 5G spectrum, um, you know, was required here, and the C-band thing was a, probably maybe a bigger deal than maybe some of the the capital markets appreciate it, but now that there's a solution that's now there, that's going to change a lot for us. And so there's going to be a lot of capital being spent by teleco carriers this quarter to buy their slices of that spectrum. And then the, that, that money then flows into SATCOM. So it's going to take two sides of our business that were, a bit, uh, that were affected by this and, and infuse capital into one and provide clarity on spectrum for the other. So it, uh, you know, naturally next year for us is going to be, uh, there's much more purposeful engineering happening, much, a lot more things happening right now that set the stage for next year because we know how to live with this virus to, to some degree and uh, there's planning going forward. So we're pretty optimistic, as you can tell on the call, because of what, all the things that we see and the activity level that is happening on the engineering side and the products that we've released. So um, yeah, there's, there's certainly uh, you know, near-term issues, but, but, but uh, when I look at it, I, I feel very strong that, you know, that we've got a very robust order book for next year. We've got a lot of, you know, still some uncertainty, but uh, the amount of activity that's going on right now in our space is, uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty exciting. That's helpful. I guess it kind of ties into my next question. Um, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, positive stuff uh, for next year. Um, could you maybe talk about what the two or maybe three um, initiatives um, that you think could have the most significant impact next year? Sure. So clearly it's going to be uh, clearing up this spectrum for small cell. You know, small cell has been uh, slower this year than, and than expected. We had some issues related to the municipality delays of approval of uh, small cell sites, but then later on that, you had no decision on the actual C-band. Well, those two things have now uh, cleared up, and there's a lot more um, abilities now to, to uh, you know, in that area. So we're going to see a natural pickup. And then I also announced earlier in the call that we've won a second carrier, uh, that has a very aggressive small cell strategy. So you take those two and combine it, then you're, you know, our, our expectations in our infrastructure group are, are significant for next year and on the back of some, you know, two very important uh, things that have sort of, you know, sort of call it clear the deck a little bit. So that's the first one. The second one is that we didn't talk so much about embedded. I did reference Wi-Fi 6 in my earlier comments. However, I, I, I should spend a second to explain what that really actually means. So Wi-Fi 6 has always been, it's that new unlicensed spectrum. It's got a lot more, um, you know, because it's higher frequency, it's got a lot more data uh, transmission and, and performance capabilities. Wi-Fi 6 was scheduled to be rolling out over a lot more time than it, uh, but as a result of the pandemic and more people working from home and more bandwidth now coming into homes, they've now pulled in a lot of these Wi-Fi 6 platforms. And so this year we spent you know, I think it would probably be, call it April, May, where we had a very stark shift in all the work that we were doing in that division is all slanted towards Wi-Fi 6. And now uh, those platforms and, uh, and things are now scheduled to then have pulled in earlier. And now we're seeing a, a, a significant shift into Wi-Fi 6 products as a result of uh, 
this. So though our embedded group didn't really lose a lot of momentum this year, they they were uh, you know they they were the one division of our four that were really at where we were expecting. Uh, but they've had these shifts in Wi-Fi six that are setting the stage for them to actually see some improvement next year over what they were uh, maybe currently you know historically projecting for 21. That coupled with the fact that we have now won these automotive contracts and now that group is now moving into embedded antenna systems inside of cars uh, and we've won two contracts with two uh, large uh, car OEMs and those are set to start next year in the second half. So you, know, you couple those two things together for our embedded group and uh, those are, that would be the second one that I'm pretty excited about. And then the third is, is the Summit Series 2. That was a very important and strategic investment that we made as a company uh, two and a half, three years ago when we bought Advantech. That was a, a very you know, strategic step that we took. It took that much time and effort with a very concentrated group to develop this system. We have launched it. Uh, we, in the initial reaction to it, it's been very strong, very positive, and uh, we are set to deliver our first system in Q1. Um, that, you know, then the momentum of that, coupled with the industry changes in LEO and all the new platforms and opportunities that are coming, have really given us, in a, I, I would say, a very enviable position in the industry. Uh, and uh, we are, in some respects, first to market on some of the things that we can offer. No, that's helpful, uh, Randy. I guess the last question I've got, maybe more for Michael, just, um, just talking about uh, further cost reduction uh, activities. Um, any color you can provide in terms of magnitude and timing would be uh, appreciated. Yeah, as we've uh, reported, we've been really looking at cost reductions for, for really it started at the end of last year, and we're continuing to do that. Um, in terms of magnitude and timing, it gets a little tricky because we are always looking at, at, at cost reduction opportunities, obviously, and we'll continue to do it, but it, it will partly depend on what our ongoing outlook looks like for H1 or the first half of next year and the timing of some of the initiatives that, that Randy's announced or commented on and this ramp up of our facility in Vietnam, the new facility in Vietnam. So all of those things could have an impact on operating expenses. And while we're continuing to look at them, we, we are being careful that we don't want to make any cuts that will impact or put at risk anything that we've landed and, and executing on or anything that we're working on and we're to, to try to win. So it, it's a bit of a balancing act and we're going to be closely looking at it over, and, and continue to closely look at it. So directionally, I, I think you, we, we would say that we expect costs to continue to decrease, but in terms of magnitude and timing, it, it's really uncertain at, the, at this time. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, David. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. The next question comes from Bill Zhang of Raymond James. Your line is open. Hey, guys. So uh, for Asia Pacific, you mentioned it was going to be impacted in Q4. How is it being impacted sequentially, and uh, what are you thinking for 2021, flattish, up or down, any color there? So, you know, we've, uh, I think we've answered that a little bit earlier on, on David's commentary, but to, to talk about 2021, you know, we, we've, uh, we've, we've more, you know, th this is a business unit that has been uh, at somewhat flat levels for the last number of years, and we don't expect that to change in uh, 2021. What we are, you know, certainly expecting is that because of some of the 
that's in Q4, it's going to translate into into a pent up demand for Q1. So, um, you know, our our expectations is that this change that you know we're talking about is is, is somewhat temporal, uh, and that Q1 you, you know we'll see some rebounds similar to what we've seen in this year. The same sort of thing happened to us in Q2, uh, and then in Q3 we had the, the you know a rebound. So we're not we're expecting similar sort of uh, you know issues uh, for us there. Okay, great. And for the for the massive MIMO, uh, you mentioned the engineer will go in for calibrations Q1 operations starting in Q2. So when can we expect to recognize re revenue? Is it more late Q2 or Q3? Yeah, no. The the uh, the timing of it is exciting for us because we've been, you know, this has been the the missing link as I said earlier. So getting getting that in there and getting that done, we're only you know getting one engineer in there as opposed to the the three that we needed. So it'll take a little bit longer, but but getting it done in Q1 is is certainly reasonable even with uh, what we've got happening today. So uh, into operations and, and and getting things sort of finalized in early Q2 with uh, with an eye to seeing uh, the startup of uh, revenue in the uh, second half of Q2. Okay, sounds good. And then I know this was asked before, um, the the 3.3 million savings for OPEX over here, is that is that like a good run rate to use, um, or should we expect it to decrease or increase in that? I'll pass this on to Michael. Well, I mean, the last three quarters have have been roughly 11 million dollars. Um, some of the cost reduction initiatives that we've made in the last little while haven't been fully realized yet and, and as I mentioned we, we are still looking at other ones. Expecting dramatic decreases in the short term but again it's going to depend on timing of certain initiatives and, and how they play out in, in 2021 and if things get postponed or if they start earlier that'll impact our decisions on, on making some, some cost cuts. But directionally over the next couple quarters we, we do expect a, a downward trend on OPEX. Okay, great, thanks. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to our presenters for closing remarks. Thank you very much, and thank you, everybody. Uh, I know this obviously was a, 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 an interesting and difficult year in, in many respects, but uh, we're, we're glad to give our report today just knowing you know, the, the exciting four things that I talked about earlier and, and the trend that things are going. So we've uh, moved ourselves into this position that we find ourselves today in an enviable one uh, with the uh, long-term opportunities well intact, customers still in place, contracts still there. Uh, and, our, and for us, the OPEX changes and the things that we've done to make sure that we really uh, grind down our operational costs as, as best we can and uh, we haven't been bashful whatsoever on, on that front. And now we've got the company positioned for 2021 to... Uh, uh, to see some improvements there, and we're we're looking forward to reporting those to you in the future. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, 
Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.